Have you ever had an absolutely impossible situation show up in your life? Or maybe it's not in your life. Maybe it's in the life of a nation, a country, a people group, and it's impossible. Well, when we last left off in Esther, we saw an impossible situation. Let's see what they did to confront that situation here on For Such a Time as This. Hello, everyone. It is so good to be back behind the podcaster's mic. I've been going and going, traveling, different things have been going on in my life, in the life of my family. And for that reason, this podcast is a little different, at least for me, because usually I prepare a script or notes. Today, I'm going to go a bit off the cuff. This is such an amazing chapter in Esther, Esther chapter four, and I feel like it's going to speak for itself. So what I want to do here is just read it with a little bit of commentary here and there, and you'll see how it relates to our life today. When we last left off, the impossible of impossible situations was created. I mean, as I read chapter three, I thought how incredibly awful, frightening that situation would be. There's like 15 million Jews living In the land of the Persian and Medes at that time, that is a lot of people. And they hear that in 11 months, they are going to be obliterated from the face of the earth. And all because one man, Mordecai, chooses not to bow to another man. So that's where we left off with the impossible situation. And also, when that law was created... The Medes and the Persians' laws do not change. They make that point over and over again. That means this is a done deal. There is no way around it. The king cannot change his mind. So what can be done? Let's take a look at chapter 4. We're going to begin at verse 1. When Mordecai perceived all that was done, Mordecai rent his clothes and put on sackcloth with ashes and went out into the midst of the city and cried with a loud and bitter cry and came even before the king's gate, for none might enter into the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. And in every province, whithersoever the king's commandment and his decree came, there was great mourning and wailing and weeping and fasting, and many lay in sackcloth and ashes." So Esther's maids and her chamberlains came and told it to her. Then was the queen exceedingly grieved, and she sent raiment to clothe Mordecai and to take away sackcloth from him, but he received it not. All right, so let's take a look at this. They hear this most awful, terrible news. In 11 months, y'all's gone. You're going to be, you know, killed, and all your possessions will be taken and stolen from you. So they're laying around in sackcloth and ashes. I mean, first of all, let's give them credit here. Their first thought was to turn to God and lay about in sackcloth and ashes, repent and mourn and call on him. I think that alone says a lot about what was still in the heart of these people towards God. Because even today, I feel like sometimes in America, we see terrible things on the horizon, But instead of mourning and fasting and weeping before the Lord, sometimes we just say, well, the Lord's will be done. You know, so let's not do that, okay? Let's 
take it seriously when we hear about terrible things and when we are looking at the future and it ain't looking good. Don't just sit back. Take action. And the first action that we take is to fast, is to pray, is to weep and mourn and cry out to Lord of hosts. No matter how impossible it seems, God has a remedy. And then I think it's important to look at what ha- what does the queen do about all this fasting and weeping and mourning? She sends clothes, like, please tell him to put on some clothes, get that sackcloth and ashes off him. Probably a nice outfit, something to cheer him up. Like, dude, feel better. You know, and again, this is what we do. We want to feel good. We want to feel like everything is okay. We want to smooth over, you know, all the bad news and, and just kind of go on with our lives and get back to normal. And that's what you hear a lot about 2020. We just want 2020 to be over so we can get back to normal. You know, and sometimes there is no going back to normal. There's only a moving forward. And that's kind of what's going on here. Mordecai's like, no, no, I can't pretend everything's okay because everything is not okay. And also I want to add to this, there's times as Christians, we want people to be okay. So we say, well, that's okay you did this or that, or that's okay that's going on. And we kind of placate it or try to. That doesn't always help the situation. That's why the Bible says, mourn with those who mourn. It's important to acknowledge there's something serious here, something painful And many times we have to work through that pain, pray through that pain and, uh, and, and seek God before we can put on those new clothes. It's not time for the new clothes. It's time for the sackcloth. All right. Let's pick it up again now in verse five. Then called Esther for Hatach, one of the king's chamberlains, whom he had appointed to attend upon her and gave him a commandment to Mordecai to know what it was, why it was. So Hatak went forth to Mordecai unto the street of the city, which was before the king's gate. And Mordecai told him of all that had happened unto him and of the sum of the money that Haman had promised to pay to the king's treasuries for the Jews to destroy them. You know, I think it's important that we stop right here. Quite a few podcasts ago, I talked about Dana Coverstone You may be familiar with him. He had a number of prophetic dreams. In one of his dreams, he saw men in back rooms slapping each other on the back and congratulating each other. Well, with all this news about Dominion voting machines, I just can't help but wonder. That's a part of it because it sounds like politicians on both sides of the aisle were paying big money to get these machines in to rig elections. And this is what's going on. Haman is rigging everything in what he believes is going to be favorable to him. Remove the opposition, no matter what it takes, even if it's a bloodthirsty killing. All right. So now Mordecai, in verse 8, gives the copy of the writing of the decree that was given at Sushan to destroy them, to show it unto Esther, and to declare it unto her, and to charge her. Uh Uh-oh. Here's where it gets tricky. He charges her that she should go in unto the king and to make supplication unto him and to make request before him for her people. Well, Esther just wants to know what's going on. (laughs) 
And now Mordecai's like, yes, here's what's going on. And you, Esther, are about to play a role. We need you to go before the king. Now, now it's getting personal, right? So it's one thing to kind of mourn and weep. It's a totally another thing to have someone say, and now you need to do something. Hey, when we are going to confront impossible situations, it's pretty rare we confront it just on our faces because even God told Moses when he was crying out to him before the Red Sea, get up off your face. It's time to move forward. And that's what's going on here. So Hatech came and he told Esther the words of Mordecai. And again, Esther spake unto Hatech and gave him commandment unto Mordecai. So it's Hatech, he's running back and forth. And I'm not sure why that is. I think it might be because Mordecai is outside the gate. And of course, the queen couldn't go out into the city streets. I don't really know how much Mordecai was able to see Esther, but she was at least able to send her messenger, which she did. So she sends Hatech back out to him and tells him this. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces do know that whosoever, whether man or woman, shall come unto the king into the inner court who is not called, there is one law. And that is that they be put to death unless such to whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter that he may live. All right, so she's saying, um, Mordecai, there's a law. This law is if I dare to come into that inner chamber, I'm toast. The only exception to this is if the king holds out the golden scepter to me. And then she finishes by saying, but I have not been called to come into the king these 30 days. So Mordecai is, or Esther is wondering, you know, I don't know where I stand with the king right now. I don't know how he feels about me. You know something? I am telling you right now that God calls us into the inner chamber with him to pray and to beseech him and to cry out to him on behalf of our nation, on behalf of other people, on behalf of what's going on in our own lives. And many times that's where we're at. But I don't know how God feels about me. I don't know. I kind of blew it here and there and I haven't been reading my Bible praying. That's what we think. And to be honest, if we're not God's children, we should not even attempt to do that without knowing him. So she's nervous about approaching the king in this manner. But I feel like the Lord would say to you, go on in, go on in. Well, they told to Mordecai Esther's words. And now here Mordecai says the most awesome thing. Then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther like, Dude, you tell her this. Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. Alrighty, so remember, Esther has not revealed her heritage. And Mordecai is saying, Esther, don't think you're going to escape just because they don't know you are a Jew. All right. But it is interesting. It's almost as though... God had already planned a way of escape by not letting anyone know that um, Esther was a Jew, which we'll see more about in the next chapter. Alrighty, so then Esther goes on and he says, 
For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. So Mordecai believes God will deliver his people. He has confidence in that. But he warns Esther, but thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Whoa, that was very powerful. He understands that Esther is feeling nervous about this. And he says, even though no one knows you're a Jew, the Lord will judge. And so your choice is to possibly die or your choice is to certainly die. But Esther, it's not a mistake that you were born beautiful. It's not a mistake that you won the bachelor or the bachelorette or whatever it would be in uh, the citadel of Susa. It's not a mistake that you are there right now. You were born for such a time as this. And you know it too, don't you? You were born for such a time as this, not to be silent, but to come before the king, to cry out to him for justice throughout the land, for justice in your life. You were born for a purpose. You were born for this season and this time. You might say, man, I wish I was in the 50s when they wore poodle skirts or something. Well, that's cool. But you weren't born then. You were born now. You were born in this season. And God has a plan for you. And he is telling you, rise up, rise up and go and walk into that inner chamber. The king is waiting for you there. All right, I'm just going to quickly finish here. We'll probably talk more about this in our next episode. But it says, then Esther bade them return Mordecai this answer. Go, gather together all the Jews that are present in Sushan and fast ye for me. And neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise. And so will I go in unto the king, which is not according to the law. She's like, remember, I'm not supposed to do this. And if I perish, I perish. Yes, sometimes we don't know if we'll live or die. We don't know which way the situation will go. But it's time to stand up. It's time to do the right thing. And that's what Esther is saying. And before she goes to do it, she asks that they fast. Fasting is such a powerful form of prayer. And it's a superpowered prayer. It's quick, no food or water, three days. Whew, that's a rough one. But she says, even my maidens will fast. She doesn't ask them. She tells them, we're going to do this. We are going to fast. She calls for a fast because she understands what's on the line here. And she's waited now. She's taken some time. She's paused before the king of heaven. And she has determined that it's time to approach the king in this earth. So Mordecai, it says, went his way. And he did according to all that Esther had commanded him. Interesting. Esther's now commanding him. He raised her. He raised her to be a godly woman. And now she is beginning to rise up and take the place that he had hoped for her. And he is able to go his way knowing 
that his adopted daughter is willing to die for the cause of the king, and he's not going to hold her back. He understands that his action not bowing could have brought her death, and he's okay with that because it's right. Sometimes doing the right thing is so costly, and we don't want to do it. But God has a purpose and a plan for such a time as this. Lord, we thank you that we were born into this time, that we were given gifts, that we were given a purpose, that we were given this life in this day and age because you know what you were doing and you planted us way in advance to create the landscape that you have. God, cause us to know in our hearts what is right to do and to do it and to not be afraid, but to trust even if we perish. Amen.